Your heart is the support system for every organ in your body. The brain can't function without the heart pumping. The liver can't quiver when the heart has no rhythm. The quality of your life depends on the quality of your heart. Matters of the Heart podcast is a safe space for you to face the true matters of your heart. The issues that causes stress, even when you're seemingly at rest. Issues like hurt, pain, betrayal, and shame are things that are buried alive in the back of the brain. I call them undiagnosed heart traumas. Others refer to them as heartbreak, when in fact it's heartache because the heart can't break. I know, sounds pretty interesting to hear, but you'll learn more as you enter in and allow the healing to begin. I'm Natasha Mayo, the execution strategist. Welcome to Matters of the Heart. Good morning. We are back again, guys, as promised, Matters of the Heart podcast. We are dealing with the fairy tale behind the veil. So the very the fairy tale behind the veil of what? Marriage. Right for me, I had a fairy tale of marriage. And so we're going to talk about constructive criticism or criticism versus control, not necessarily constructive or respect and honor. But before we get into all of that, I don't want to be familiar or come become comfortable with you knowing who I am. Perhaps this podcast was shared with you. And so I want to introduce myself first and then my guest. And so I am Natasha Mayo, the execution strategist. I am all things execution. Oftentimes people are inspired, but they never execute. And so I'm all things execution in life, in business, in purpose, in relationship, all things execution. What I know for sure is that when you encounter me, three generations at the very minimum go to the next dimension. And so welcome, welcome, welcome to Matters of the Heart podcast. Today, I have Lisette Givens joining me to discuss the fairy tale behind the veil. We have had this conversation for several weeks now, and it is time to share with you our view on the fairy tale behind the veil, and then also to get your input. As you know, it's all about conversation with me. I am not here to talk to you, but rather talk with you. And so I want to hear from you. You will indeed hear some amazing nuggets. You will indeed hear some aha moments. You will indeed Here's some things that is going to stimulate your soul. I want to hear those things too, because we're not just about telling you what to do, but also giving you the how to. I'm going to say that again. We're not here to tell you about what to do, but also you do. Oftentimes people come in these settings, they get a lot of amazing information and they simply hoard it going on in life, suffering suffering and struggle, struggling when they have their answer. But because they hoard the information, they sit and struggle and oftentimes in shame. Not on my watch. As my amazing 20-year-old says, not me. 
Today is a not me situation. And so I want you guys to share the broadcast, but I want you to be intentional with your sharing. I want you to share it with people that indeed needs a breakthrough, not just in marriage, but in life, because respect and honor transcends over every single relationship, not just in marriage, but marriage with your girlfriend, marriage with your guy friend, relationships at work, respect and honor transcends over every area of your life. So please be intentional with your with your share. Don't keep me and Lissette to yourself. Share it. Whatsoever a man soweth, that exact thing shall he reap. So go ahead and share your harvest. What do I mean by that? The things you share, you automatically know it's coming back as a harvest. So share, 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 and share. So where do we begin? I believe that it's very very honorable to give you some content about myself. I am so free in my soul that I don't give a care what people think because I know that my testimony is a light in life unto others. And so I have healed in those areas that other people may be ashamed about. And so I'm going to share with you to give you some clear content to let you know that I am not speaking from theory. I am speaking from real life experiences. I'm going to say that again. I am not speaking from theory. I am speaking from real life experiences. And so when I said I do, I said I do to a fairy tale, the thought of what I wanted marriage to be. You see, I didn't have the example of a mom and a dad in a household. Let me correct that a bit. I had the example of a mom and a dad in a household because my mother married someone but I didn't honor and respect him as my father. We'll get back to that later. In in not honoring and, and respecting him as a father, I missed out on the blessings of a two-parent household. And so because of that, I didn't have the experience or I didn't have the exposure, if you will, to say that's what I want marriage to be like, or in some of your cases, you may have had mom and dad in the home, but you may say, I don't want to get married as a result of the exposure from their marriage. And so I didn't have that either way. So I came up with this fairy tale in my mind of what I wanted marriage to be. What is a fairy tale? Let's break that down. And so for me, the fairy tale was unreasonable or unrealistic expectations. I had all of these amazing things that I thought that marriage was going to be, but they were contingent upon my expectations being met. I'm going to pause right there for a second, because how many of you guys have had expectations in your marriage that wasn't met? And then what did you do about them? And so I am going to open that question up to Lisette and say and ask, what expectations, this fairy tale that you had in your mind about marriage that wasn't met? And then how did it make you feel as a result of those expectations not being met? Hmm. So that's a great question. And I think we all develop expectations from somewhere whether it's an example or whether we come up with them in a vacuum, we've, we, we come up with a vision for what 
we expect. And it may not even be what we want sometimes, but what we expect. And for me, I I shared yesterday that um, I wasn't saved when I met my husband. Um, and so for me, my expectation was he was going to be the spiritual pillar of the home. He was, you know, further along than me. He was going to be the spiritual leader. And he was more almost like he was going to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And when we got into it, I was like, oh, <laughs> he's not he's not doing the things that necessarily I thought he would do. And it did take some time for that to happen. You know, you have the honeymoon period and you're enjoying each other. Um, but over time, little expectations like um, I expected, OK, he's going to take the initiative. We're going to study the Bible together. He's going to help disciple me. Um, uh you know, just he's going to take charge of, you know, things that need to be done in the home. Like he's just going to be this. I love that when you said he's going to disciple me. Right. Because that leads right in to respect and honor. But when that discipleship doesn't meet the expectations where we feel like it should, then that's where criticism and correction comes in. Mm-hmm. And so if we can segue right in there, that's perfect. So criticism and correction came in the big expectations and the small expectations. So uh, I expected, yes, I expected him to disciple me. I expected him to be like, come on, let's sit down and read our Bible together. Let me teach you about this. Let me teach you about that. And that wasn't at the time who he was. He was somebody who is very autonomous. He believes in personal responsibility, accountability, and everybody is accountable for themselves. So this role, stepping into the role of husband as head and discipler was foreign to him. Yeah. Because everybody's responsible for themselves. Like, I'm not responsible for nobody but me. But now here he is with a wife. (laughs) And he's like, you're responsible for yourself. And I'm like, but wait. So in those big things, you know, it was a disappointment that you feel Mm -hmm. and kind of feeling like, oh, I thought he was going to take the lead. How do I go about getting this thing that I desire? And that's where the criticism starts to come in and correction starts to come in. But it shows up more obviously for me in the small things. Mm. Um, I have said to friends that the little things are often the tip of the iceberg and it usually represents somewhere where you're not willing to surrender control. You're rigid some in some way. Yeah. Um, one example for us was where I criticized him, criticized him or corrected him very early was with eggshells in the carton. Yeah. <laughs> as simple as eggshells in the carton, because I had my way of doing it, which was you crack the eggs and they go in the trash. They don't sit in the carton. His way was you crack the eggs and you can rest them in the carton until you're ready to throw them in the trash. And in my mind, I'm because I am set on my expectation based on my experience and my upbringing and history, I'm saying, well, no, that ain't the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. And so instead of an opportunity to honor and respect his different upbringing, his different experience, his different perspective, that became an opportunity uh, that I took to criticize and correct and say, babe, you can't do that and give a good explanation as to why. Yeah. 
to say no. Because a good explanation to you. To me. Yes. A justification. Yes. A justification. Yes. Making the case as to why I'm right. Yeah. And how many of you guys can give a good explanation as to why? I love how P Patricia Richmond says it. She says a wise sounding excuse. And so it's wise to yourself that this makes sense. And so why doesn't it make sense to you? And so we conjure up all of this information, building our case. I like to call it building committee members. How many of y'all have committee members in your head? Like everybody is in agreement with you. And so you take it and you go on and say, okay, this is correct. And so then you begin to correct and criticize, but the root of it is control. Now, mm -hmm. I want to dial back a little bit when you talked about what well, we talked about, rather, expectations. And so we have all of these expectations without any communication. How on God's amazing earth can we expect anybody to do something that we have not communicated? And oftentimes we don't communicate it because we don't have the language at the time, but we expect it. We expect it. And so we don't communicate. We don't communicate our expectations because we don't have the language. They don't have the comprehension to do what we're both almost seemingly at a dead end. And so how did you guys even address that? So it took a lot of learning and unlearning okay. over a course of years. So when you say learning and unlearning, we want to make sure that it's clear for the listeners. So learning and unlearning what? We had to... We had to... First, we had to learn that we couldn't expect each other to be exactly the same in terms of how we communicate. We had to understand kind of what, what, are, the, what are the boundaries around our communication? What is informing our communication? Because I grew up where you niceties and everything are a requirement before you go into making a request. Um, you don't speak super, super directly. Being indirect or less direct is a way of being polite, right? And so for him, it was the opposite. It was like, be direct, say what you got to say. We're not sensitive. It is what it is. You don't like it? Okay, well, let's talk about it, but we're not going to beat around the bush. And so we were very, very different in terms of communication. We were also very, very different in terms of just how we see the world and our styles and how we naturally are. I'm very intuitive. He's very factual. Um, I was very sensitive. He is not sensitive at all. Like, and so we had to learn how those things informed our communication because that's how it showed up. And in the beginning, it was rough. Lots of frustrating conversations, lot of lots of missing each other, misunderstanding each other, me expecting him to be intuitive, him expecting me to give him more details and facts so that he could understand what it was that I was saying I needed um, and vice versa. And um, 
also, so that was the learning piece. Yeah, yeah. And the unlearning piece was we had to unlearn um, some things that weren't productive for communication. Yes. We had to, I had to unlearn or even maybe not even unlearn, but unexpect, <laughs> shift our expectations. I had to see him for who he was and not expect him to be an intuitive person. I read romance novels as a preteen and teen, yeah. which which jacked me all up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it jacked me all up in terms of expectations. You, you know, romance, sweep you off your feet, this fairy tale, somebody who knows exactly what you want, even when you're not sure what you want. That wasn't reality. And yeah. especially not with my husband. Yeah. <laughs> it was very much like, can you please tell me explicitly what it is that you want and need? Because I'm willing to do, but I need to know what it is because I don't want to waste my time doing stuff that's not going to hit the target. And so I had to learn uh, I had to set aside this expectation that if he can't intuit things about me, he doesn't care about me. Mm -hmm. And so in the process of letting that go, you know, you're grieving the loss of an expectation. We've talked about that. Yeah. And, and in that process, it helped me to see, no, love looks different in different people because it's coming through who they are as a person. They're, they're willing to shift. They're willing to adjust. They're willing to do, but it's not going to look like what you expect. And is my expectation even reasonable? Yeah, I'm expecting him to be like me and be intuitive. And he's not, okay, let's let go of the fact that he's not. And what does that mean for today? What does that mean? That means that he wants the bottom line up front. That means that he wants me to tell him specific details. Um, when we were shopping for a wedding ring <laughs> and we did it together um, because I told him, I want something that, you know, looks antique-ish. And he was like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. So we actually had to go together and I showed him exactly what it is that I meant. And for me at that time, I was like, well, it's, you know, we had a bit of a, a not an argument, but uh, just a tense conversation around it because I'm like, you're supposed to be able to, you know, do the magic, <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's like, I don't do magic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. But it, it it's amazing how when you're in the courtship, it's OK to communicate the expectations. But the moment that you say I do, they, they're supposed to know. And so that's a part of the fairy tale. That's a part of the belief system, you should automatically know. And so it's it, it's like you said, learning and unlearning, but in the middle of the two, you have, a, you have to have a willingness and a want to. Too often, people's willingness is contingent with the outcome or to the outcome. And so in your will, you can't be contingent because your contingency is control, which leads you back to where you started. If they don't meet my expectations, then I'll criticize. If they don't meet my expectations, then I will control the situation. And here's the thing. Some of you all may say, I don't criticize. I don't control. Well, you do when you hold back. You do when you and yourself, 
but you really wanted them to do it. That's control. In fact, it's manipulation if we really want to get to the root of it. And so share an experience where you've had the criticism and control at play. Oh, all right. Let's think of one that I haven't shared already. Um, I think in, an example where I probably took control, mm-hmm. right? I had an expectation that he would do things and I took control rather than um, communicating. Yeah. Was around things like our taxes and our finances. Mm-hmm. I was just like, well, he don't seem that interested. I thought he maybe would be more interested. I'll just do it. You know, and he may not have even known that I wanted him to be involved or be engaged or take the lead on some of those things. But just like any other any other area, there's a reason that you are together and you can benefit from each other's perspectives. For example, I'm very detail oriented. I want to lay out all the details and sift through them and then build from there. He's very strategic. He wants to know what's the goal, what are the big things that matter. And so he will provide structure up front, whereas I'm just exploring information. But those two approaches together can be very powerful. Yeah. But without that communication piece, we we didn't benefit from that team and united approach. It was just me saying, oh, I had this expectation that was unmet. And so I'll just do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and oftentimes that's where we, that that's where we fall in, if you will. All right, you do this well, or I think I do this well, so I'll do this. You think you do this well, so you do that. But that is not always the best way. And so it's coming together to have those clear conversations of how we're going to do things. Right? You talked about the eggshell. My experience was putting ketchup in the refrigerator or leaving it in the pantry, right? And it's like, who wants cold for me? It was like, who wants cold ketchup? And he's like, who wants hot ketchup, (laughs) right? But we never had the conversation. And so we both felt like our way was the best way. And so when when, when we enter into marriage, I often go back and I say, okay, what does God say about the matter? And so God talks about respect, for for the woman to respect and for the man to love. And so when you think about respect, what does that convey to you? Oh, so respect means that I, for me, respect means that I see you and your perspective and opinions as important and valuable. I don't elevate or exalt what I think above what you think. I, and for in marriage, it means you have the final decision and we work, we work together as a team, but it means ultimately you're responsible for the things that go on in this household. And so it's ultimately your decision. You may say, well, I think that's a good idea. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. I may present information, but respect means that I'm honoring I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you in your proper place mm-hmm. and not, not taking that place. That's not- hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Seeing, seeing, 
the husband in their proper place. And again, I want to add to saying the person in their proper place. We're talking about marriage, but it transcends into every area of your life. And I believe that when we get into marriage, we take people out of the proper place. And so that's where criticism and correction comes in at versus respect and honor because we take them out of their proper places because they don't meet the expectations that we had about the fairy tale of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so in taking them out of their proper places, here comes disrespect. Mm -hmm. Here comes dishonor. Mm -hmm. And it may not come in the sense of being so recognizable, but there's an undercurrent of it and it happens over and over and over and over again. And so one, go ahead. You had something to share there? Yes. Okay. It's very sneaky. Yeah. It's very sneaky and it's very um, subtle. And it starts with thinking that you're right. It starts with thinking that your way is better. It starts with thinking that you know something that they don't. They're missing it. And it's it comes from a place of pride of saying, I have to tell them this. Otherwise, yeah. as if, you know, this piece of information, you know, is so necessary. And it may be necessary, but it's the approach. It's to say, are you, are, do you have an approach of, hey, babe, you know, I was thinking da-da-da-da-da. And I'm thinking that maybe da-da-da-da. And we probably need to da-da-da-da-da. What do you think about that? It's yeah. the, what do you think about that? It's opening the door to a conversation versus criticizing and correcting, again, skips right over the communication. Yeah. It doesn't engage them. It doesn't invite them in to share their perspective because you may not be right. Yeah. <laughs> you may not Absolutely. be right. Nobody yeah. thinks that they're wrong, but guess what? A lot of us are wrong sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. We miss it. And so it's that, the pride of thinking that if you don't say something that they are going to miss it and that you have to tell them versus talk to them, right. engage them to, to make it a team effort versus a me effort because you aren't clearly doing, you clearly not living up to the standard. Yeah, absolutely. And so the team effort where does that even begin? Where does it begin? And the reason why I am pulling that out, because if you're always in a posture of correcting and criticizing, there's absolutely no team in that. There, That is do it this way or not at all, or do it this way or I'll do it. And so where is the team in that? Oh, team starts with yourself. Come on. Yes. Team starts with yourself. You really have to look at yourself. Uh, and, you know, Pastor Mike always talks about, you know, this is your intelligent choice. You won't be smart enough to marry them, but to, to not smart enough to listen to them. And it's, it's, it's sitting with yourself to say and recognize that the other person brings value. I think when we are confronted with different in other people, we filter it and we say, well, that's not how I do it. So is that right? Is that not right? I don't know. 
But the point is in marriage and in these specific relationships is to say, huh, this person is in my life. They add value. Am I going to be open to the value that they bring? And that starts in you. That starts in you being open to receive the blessing of other people, the blessings of God through other people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an opening. It's a relaxing, it's a examining your expectations um, to say, well, why do I have this expectation? If they're not meeting it, is it a right expectation? It could be, but if they're not meeting it, correcting and criticizing comes from a place of fear. That mm-hmm. comes from a place of fear, fear that they can't meet it unless you do. Yeah. Fear that if you don't do something, it won't happen. It's relying, it's leaning to your own understanding and relying on your own, doing things in your own might. Yeah. And it's really relaxing all of that. It's it's really a relaxing all of that in your mind to say, you know what? I trust God enough to see in this person, to look at this person and say, what is it that you mean for us to do together? What is it that you mean for me to share? And what is it do you mean for for them to share with me? Versus it's a very uptight space when you are simply criticizing and correcting all the time. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And I love when you say examine your expectations because I like to call it a soul check, right? Mm. I call it judge your judgment. So Mm. the same criticism, the same uh, correction that you are putting on your spouse, I want to take a moment and then put it back on yourself and see if you have those same expectations. Oftentimes you don't, Mm. you don't. And so take a moment to judge your judgment because that's what it is. You also mentioned how it might be right. The judgment may be right, but is the filter that it's coming to right? I'm going to say that again. The judgment may be right, but is the filter that it's coming through right? You see, we as women, whether you're direct, whether you're calm and sultry, we have a way of saying things that can pierce the very soul of our mate, of our partner. And so it's important that the filter that it is delivered in is in alignment with the destination that we want. I'm going to say that again. It's important to make sure that our delivery is in alignment with the destination that we want or or, or ultimately the outcome that we want, because you guys have probably heard more than, 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 than enough that it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. And so how are you saying your expectations? Hmm. How are you sharing your expectation? Is it criticism? Is it correction? Is it control? Now, I'm not saying be passive aggressive because you can think you're saying it in a pleasant way and passive aggressive isn't pleasant at all. 
In fact, if you don't want me to do something, be passive aggressive. <laughs> be passive aggressive. That's the worst thing that you can do with me is be passive aggressive. But there is a way to say and get to the destination. How do you find that way? Surrender all. Step back for a second and say, God, give me the delivery I need to get what I want. And allow him to do it like wait. Wait for the delivery. Mm -hmm. Because what you expect may expire by your delivery. I'm going to say that again. That was good to me. What you expect may expire by your delivery. And again, guys, don't compartmentalize this to marriage. That's the vehicle that we're using to share this. But this is about your life. This is about you on a job. This is about in relationships. This is about in your purpose, in pursuing your purpose. See the big picture the delivery of your expectations. Hmm. Now I want to move on into the vulnerability of a man. Hmm. Removing the veil in the marriage fairy tale. Hmm. One of the things I used to always say was give me something to respect and I'll respect it. Well, how disrespectful is that? There's no honor. There's no respect in give me something to respect and I'll respect it because the reality of it is they're always giving their wives something to respect. Whether you believe that it is or not, it is. And so when they're open and honest and vulnerable with you, that's something to, for you to respect and not criticize. You see, both of us are coming together to build something together. I have my areas that need improvement. You have your areas that need improvement. But you can't take your areas and just be okay with you improving, but you don't give the same luxury to, to them to improve. So share on moments of vulnerability that you were unaware of and literally criticized or try to correct it to what you wanted it to be? Oh, gosh. So um, so first, there's this underlying when you're when you're presented with vulnerability in, in your spouse or in a relationship, uh, particularly in my marriage, I had this expectation that he was going to be in his mature state. His Come on, right there. State. We got to hang out there for a second. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget where we're going, but yeah. we all, including myself, like even now, I'm still working through that. I didn't realize it until now, but <laughs> we, you know, expect them to be in their fully mature state while we're still working in ours. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes but it, it, this morning when I was meditating, like Holy Spirit said, there's only one savior. Mm -hmm. Come on. There's only yeah. one savior. So you look into your husband to be a savior of some type and he's not, yes. that's not his role. Yes. Yep. He has a specific role, but that's not it. Yeah. And, um, 
I have this expectation that he was going to be in his finished state because in some way he was going to, again, disciple me or help me grow up spiritually, putting these expectations on him that really belonged on Holy Spirit. They belonged on pastor. They belonged on Bible study, et cetera. And it's like, because I didn't know that I'm, I'm sitting here like I have this expectation. It's not being met. Right. Yeah. And so when you expect your spouse to be in a finished state, then when they present vulnerabilities, it does not compute. Yeah. Because women, we grow up with community, with friendship, with emotional intimacy, being emotive. It's okay for us to express our emotions. That's normal. That's normal. In, In society, that's normal, right? But they don't. They grow up, as we heard on the men's panel. Yeah. We grow up where that is not safe. People are going to, you know, joan on you, talk about you, laugh you out. You know, it's it's not acceptable for you to be tender and vulnerable. And so they're not. Yeah. And so here's the thing about the finished state. And here's where the wife responsibility comes in play that is often overlooked or downplayed, right? And so we all marry a state. Mm -hmm. It's a state. And so when you come in with this preconceived notion that I want them or expect them to be in their finished state, they are for the state that they're in. But now that they have entered into holy matrimony, it is a completely different state. It is. And so you have to begin to do the work to strengthen, to develop this new state that you're don't go from D.C. to Florida in the same state, although most people do. Mm. I was out walking yesterday and my neighbor said, it is cold out here. I said, actually, it feels amazing to me. She said, well, when you come from Florida and back here, it's cold. I said, that's the difference. And so when our spouses come from a single state to a married state, the work is new. It's different coming from two completely different states. And so as the wife, it's our responsibility to undergird. God calls us the helper. He pulled us out of the rib. And so that's mm-hmm. where we get up under them and say, ah, this is the finished state for where you were. Now we have to develop and strengthen the state to where we are growing. You see, I intentionally say growing and not going because Mm -hmm. you can go from state to state to state to state and don't change. Mm -hmm. No, I want to grow through every single state that I am going through. So it is our responsibility to recognize the state that they're in and then help them grow and develop to the state that we see them in. You see, because we have foresight as women. That's the part of our makeup. And so we see them in a finished state, but we hold them accountable to that state the moment that we marry them. (laughs) So it's our responsibility to help develop and undergird that finished state. And guess what? It changes. 
We go from state to state to state to state. Just like God says, we go from glory to glory to grace to grace. Like when I train my clients, whether it's in business, whether it's physical, whether it's in personal development, I'm not training you for where you've been. I'm training you for where you're going. And you see, because where you've been, you got that unlocked. That worked in the previous seasons. But I am in tune to where you're going. And that requires some work because it's a completely different state. It's mm-hmm. uncharted territory that you've never been in. One of the things that my ex-husband said was when my expectation was, you've been married, you should have this down pat. He said, I've been married over 15 years, but I was never married to you. And so that's the thing. When we're looking at states, they've never been in this state with you. And so now it's our responsibility to correct ourselves. If we want to criticize and correct, turn the thumb, turn the finger back on you and criticize and correct yourself so that you can make sure that you are entering in, in honor and respect. Loaded. <laughs> Loaded. So I was so excited while you were talking. So a couple of things. It reminded me of on a previous episode where Jasper talked about the role of the wife is to bring the invisible into the visible, right? We incubators of purpose and, and for the family, but in particular, he was talking about with your husband. Yeah. How, how we, we set ourselves up unknowingly. A lot of the times we set ourselves up for disappointment because we don't see exactly what you're talking about up front. We don't see that we're entering into uncharted territory. When we get married, we don't see that we have a role to play in cultivating what's inside of our husbands and what's inside of ourselves. One of the wrong expectations we have is that there's nothing to develop that there's yes. nothing to develop. Yes. You don't go in seeing that because when you see them in their finished state, you have robbed yourself of the perspective of the to, to, to see that there's an opportunity to cultivate the invisible. There's an opportunity here to nurture the vulnerability, that yes. sacred, intimate space. And so what happens is we disregard it. Yes, we disregard it. And then disregarding is disrespected. And so when you say disregard, like I literally got a visual of taking out the trash. Too often people tap out, they divorce early because they disregard it. They look at it as opposition rather than opportunity. I love how you said that, that it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. But if you look at it without you doing any of the work, you see it as, oh, this isn't for me. One of the things uh, that I love when I had the opportunity to talk to your husband was that he said, I married the wrong person. <laughs> you know, I, I thought so too, you know? And so that's the story for a lot of people when the expectations aren't met. I married the wrong person. Maybe some of you that's listening now. You're thinking, I married the wrong person. But if you will take a moment to judge your judgment, if you take a moment to see the opposition as opportunity, you'll identify, you'll begin to be stimulated in knowing that you didn't marry the wrong person. This is the state that they're in. And guess what? You're in a state too. 
And so you'll begin to seek out the opportunities to get to the state you want and then to continue on and on and on again. Another thing that I appreciated that your husband shared was, listen, if this thing don't work, it won't be because of me. Mm -hmm. Because even, you know, when he checked out mentally, he was still there physically. He still had a willingness and even a want to for it to work. And oftentimes men, once they check out mentally, they're gone physically as well. But what I appreciated about him was that he said, if it don't work, it will not be because I didn't try. And so that's what his willingness and want to came in, even with him checking out mentally. And so in that check out, where did you check in? Okay, so <laughs> so there was there was so much that we were working through that we didn't understand that we really needed Holy Spirit to lead us in. And we were doing a lot of things in our own might, according to wise counsel, but not consulting Holy Spirit. There were things from our upbringing that we had to unlearn and peel back the layers on. And I remember, you know, amongst those many conversations that were difficult and frustrating and not productive and all these different things, it's us. It seemed so easy to connect while we were dating and engaged. What happened? Like, why is this so hard? And, and it was so, so much that we were working through that after a while, when you, when you don't realize that your expectations are part of the problem, yeah, you become discouraged. But and beyond discouraged, after you become discouraged, you become offended. Come on, you Come become on, offended, offense. and so you start to build brick by brick, conversation by conversation. Offense begins to build, and you want to forgive, and you want to love them, and you still want to connect. That was the case for us. Yeah, but the disappointment. And, you know, triggers being triggered by the disappointments. It's, it's, it's a lot. I truly believe that God intended when he said marriage reflects Christ in the church. I mean, you talking about some transformational stuff is when you are with Holy Spirit working through stuff, unveiling and peeling back layers of stuff it can be very uncomfortable. It can be very triggering. You can feel very vulnerable. Like, I don't understand this Lord. And well, if without this, then who am I? And show me that it's such a tearing down and rebuilding process. And that's what the early stages of our marriage look like. Yeah. And so I say all that to set the stage for where he was. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. She ain't the one. I thought I saw all these characteristics that was going to work together. And it seems like everything is just conflicting and I'm not getting what I want out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was determined. And so for years he pursued in the ways that he knew how. And I (laughs) had my own, you know, wall of disappointment and offense and unmet expectations, unexamined and unmet expectations. And so we kind of were trying to work it and it was 
awkward and doing it in our own might and not truly all the way healing through that process. And when he checked out, it was, it was visible. So along the way, there were periods where I could see him trying, trying, trying. There was a time where my heart was very calloused because of the offense and the resentment and the disappointment. And truly, for a while, we just really didn't understand each other. Yeah. We really didn't. And that's where, where all those things grew. But he kept trying. And even in times when my heart was callous, I was open to what he presented. Oh, let's watch this marriage video. Oh, do you, will you go to this conference? If I plan this trip, will you come? Yeah, I'll go. I'm still callous. Yeah. But I, in my heart of hearts, I want this to work. Yeah. yeah. I want this to work. I don't know how I'm protecting myself, mm-hmm. but I, I want it to work. And there were so many times I didn't realize when we talk about the vulnerability piece that I didn't recognize he was being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not emotive. Yeah. It was not like talking to your girlfriends. And that goes back to, and and it's important to just interject here. And that goes back to dwelling according to knowledge. Right. And like you said, he's not emotive. He's not my girlfriends. And oftentimes we want to share you. You even hear people say he's my best friend. Your husband may not be. Because you want your husband to be what your girlfriend is, and that may not be him. Mm-hmm. And so when you dwell according to knowledge with your mate, and oftentimes you should be asking Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. When you dwell according to knowledge, you'll be able to identify the vulnerabilities. You'll mm-hmm. be able to identify the cry out. You'll be able to identify the needs without it being fully expressed or communicated because the reality of it is they may not have the language to communicate it, but the actions will always show it. And you want to get to the place where you are ahead of the actions and not behind it. And so you kind of went through some stages of how it transpired. And as a result of you seeing the shifts in his actions, what? So I noticed that he had, I'll give you the bottom line up front. My husband would appreciate that. He had quit in place. Come on. He had. How many of y'all have quit in place? I got to put that in the comments. <laughs> comment. How many of you guys have quit in place? Yes. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah, it is. He, because of his upbringing and watching his parents, he had de- decided that he was going to have a family. He was going to have a marriage. That was a big part of the vision for his life. And I believe that that is what allowed him to hang on and hold on and stick in there and say, I'm going to do everything I can. And then even when I quit in place, I'm still not going to leave, right? I'm not going to physically leave. And, but what I noticed was less eye contact, less engagement, not starting conversations. And I was like, hmm. So I'm, you know, taking opportunities to engage. I'm like, babe, we haven't da 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 in a while. We haven't da 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 in a while. He's like, oh, okay, da 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 da. You know, he on his phone, Instagram, scrolling, whatever he's doing, right? And, you know, I was, at that time, our daughter was really small. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was just a lot going on. 
Um, and I did what I could to engage, but you know, we're both working outside the house and then we got the baby and we got, you know, my son and just, you know, life happening. Yeah. Um, but I kept trying to engage, engage, engage in my own might, in my own way and not really seeing any results. And then two weeks, I would say before his birthday, um, God just gave me this desire to do it big for him. It wasn't my idea. Yeah. It was just God on me and being like, do this, do that. Oh yeah, I can do this. I can do that. Were you, were you seeking God during that time? What? I was, Mm -hmm. I was seeking God in general during that time. Um, taking time in the mornings to spend time with God, to meditate, listen to, you know, meditation music, to um, journal our conversations, to talk to him about things, to allow him to talk to things, talk to me about things. Amen. And so it was a place where I was just open. Yeah. I was open and, you know, not that everything was perfect. I had lots going on in life. Yeah. And it didn't always feel easy, but I was carving out that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the reservoir. That was at absolutely the reservoir. And, and going back to asking Holy Spirit. So while it wasn't a thought of your own, it was a part of your seeking God's face that was. gave you a way of escape. Yep. Not the only way, but a way of escape. Yep. Right. God said that all things acknowledge me and that I will direct your path. The disconnect is we don't seek him or people. I'm not going to put we in there, but people don't seek them, seek him in all their ways. Why? Because they come accustomed to doing things their way. Well, how mm. is that working for you? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> how was that working for you? And that's how that that's how I make sure that I'm seeking God in all of my ways. So much so that it looks weird to people. I literally asked God how to make coffee. I literally, when I was doing my hair, Holy Spirit, help me. When I was putting on my makeup, when I was putting on my clothes, Holy Spirit dressed me. He told me two days later, I want you to wear all white. I mean, two days ago, I want you to wear all white. But see, those are the things that people rely on their own strength. And I understand it because it makes natural sense. I'm not, I don't operate in the natural realm. I want to make sure that everything is in alignment with God. And some people are like, well, it don't take all that for you. It doesn't. But I want to make sure that I'm training my ear, that most of all, that I'm training my heart to give God first guidance and direction. And so what you do in the little, as you talked about, it's the tip of the iceberg, you'll do in the big. So if I'm acknowledging him with my coffee, if I'm acknowledging him with the clothes that I'll wear, I'll certainly acknowledge him with things of bigger. And so if we take time to train our heart, to train our brain, to train the way that we do things, Life as we knew it and know it would change. And so here you are acknowledging that there is something happening in my husband. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're seeking God in general. It's a matter of your heart. You said it. My heart was open. Yep. 
And so God gave you a way of escape to enter in to rebuilding your marriage. And so out of sheer obedience, not even knowing what was fully going on, you had some idea, but not even knowing what was, when I say you had some idea, you knew things were different. Yes. But not even knowing the depth of it, Mm -mm -mm. God says, follow me and do X, Y, Z. This is a part of his love language. This is to begin to soften his callous heart. Yeah, yeah. And so when your ways please God, he said that I'll make even your enemies at peace. How much more than your husband? Too often people don't take God at his, at his literal word. And so if you can make an enemy at peace, you can make my friend at peace that I've offended or that offended me. Amen. You can make my husband at peace that I've offended or offended me. Amen. You can make whomever at peace where there was some betrayal or some discord. When Amen. your ways please God. Amen. And so as a result, just to fast forward, as a result of doing those things, what took place? Well, <laughs> initially it didn't seem like it was doing anything. Yeah. Um, he resisted i mean uh-huh. when i say okay expensive gift um laid out arrows on the floor to the bedroom lingerie card and gift by the door music like i'm making a big deal yeah and he was resistant to receive yeah because now he's in protection mode he's in protection mode is yeah. this for real is this gonna last he even said well i know this had to be god i love it yeah <laughs> And in in that space, I still was like, I was engaging him, like, seemed like you don't want to, you know, you're trying to, you know, feel my gifts, whatever. But it wasn't, I still had peace. Yeah. Like, I still was like, okay. And even later on, you know, so the impact was first resistance. Yeah. Right. And so I was like, okay. So I kept, you know. And I saying, love that. You were not moved by the impact because oftentimes people are attached to the outcome. And so one little thing, the first thing you do, you don't get the results you expected. You out. Oh, I did this. It ain't work. I'm out. Yeah. You cannot be attached to the outcome. When God gives you instructions to do it, you have to, to, to trust and know that there's breakthrough attached to it. And so when you do things, take the outcome off the table for you, because oftentimes it may not be what you want initially, Mm. but it is softening this. It is softening the heart of the person or the thing for that. And I think that I, I am grateful to God. He, his timing is perfect. You know what I mean? Because I had no idea why I was doing this. Yeah. I knew that things were off. I knew that, you know, he seemed like he wasn't happy, but I didn't know the depth because again, he's not emotive. It's not communicated the same way. And even after learning how to recognize his vulnerabilities and all those things, I knew I have to know something was wrong, but I didn't know the fullness. And I think that helped me to not be attached to the outcome because I didn't even know for real, for real why God had given me this desire. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, I just had peace and um, continued to do the things that I, I felt led to do. And what happened was um, I realized, well, I, I, I'll, I'm going to tell the story. So I am not a person who's clocking my husband's phone. He's not clocking my phone. We just, we know each other's passcodes. They're really there to keep the kids and strangers out of our phones for the most part. And even yeah. the kids know the code. So it's not like that. But there was a day where Holy Spirit told me to look at his phone. Mm-hmm. And when I looked, I saw some text messages with a female. They weren't sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. It was somebody who I knew about. Mm-hmm. But it crossed a line. Mm-hmm. It didn't cross a sexual line. It mm-hmm. crossed an emotional intimacy line. That's worse than sex. Yeah. And for me, that was worse because yeah. in my fairy tale, and yeah. I'll tell you about me, that is not even a remote possibility. Mm-hmm. It is whoever is my husband is going to be so about me. It's like other women cease to exist. I have been like that for a long time. Even prior in dating, it was you gonna be all in, even if I'm not all into you. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Be all into me, and I recognize now that was part of me trying to protect myself, mm-hmm. right? But here I am confronted with the reality that, as safe as I thought my husband was, because he's a person of substance, he's a good person, he's a kind person, he's a family person, he's somebody who was committed to marriage, mm-hmm. committed to marriage. And, and, to, and I'm the one at 25 who is like, well, I ain't never seen a marriage I like, so I don't know if I want to get married. But here is this person committed to marriage, and yet I'm still in the same boat. I'm still in the same boat where I feel like you have opened the door to your heart to somebody else, and maybe you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that realization was like, I won't say devastating because... I was going to live. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, talk about my expectations coming crashing down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A very rough, rough, rough time. Um, And from there, even then, (laughs) even then, you know, I know I called out, I called you. (laughs) Like I was like, I got to call my people who I know. Yeah. Pray and 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 my circle. Yeah. And and I called, you know, my bestie, and I called. Uh, I forget who else right now, but mm-hmm. and then it was like even then there was this piece of God. I'm not gonna bring it up. Yeah. I'm not gonna bring it up. And see, here's the thing. Opportunity. Yeah. God exposes. When when God exposes, there is always wisdom attached to exposure. And so I want to bring that to the forefront because Mm -hmm. people check their spouse phone, right? But it's God. Has God told you to do that? And oftentimes you'll know by your response. So although you were hurt, there was some devastation, right? You certainly will live by it, but in the living, there was so much ache attached to it. Oh, yes. Station, right? And so, but even in that, you had a peace, God's peace. I like to say that there's a difference between peace 
and God's peace because God's peace has no natural understanding attached to it. While mm -hmm. some people may freak out and see that, you have this peace mm -hmm. beyond your own understanding to say, not now. And yeah. then allow God to share with you, one, that filter, when and how to bring it up. Yep, absolutely. And it's so important to make sure that you're dwelling with God so that even in, in a moment of devastation, you're protected. You're protected. Then you also went on to say that you reached out to people that you knew you could trust. That wasn't necessarily going to give you an, an opinion, but that was going to enter into prayer. That mm -hmm. is so important. Oftentimes people don't have that. They have people, like I talked about early, committees. Oh, let's go do X, Y, Z. Or you need to get out of there or whatever their experience is. So it's important to have people that are encamped about you and around you, but that are aligned with God to know it's not my fight. It's not my battle, but it's the Lord's. Yeah. And allow God, allow him to give you play by play. So important. Yeah. Good stuff. So now we've talked about the correction. We've talked about the, you know, criticism, which is underlying control, and it's also manipulation. Let's get on the respect and honor side. I believe we did a good job, a great job, rather, with sharing how we can correct and control and sometimes not even realize it. We just understand that our way is the best way. Oftentimes, we have a lot of women that are in executive positions or not even in executive positions, but positions where you have to make a decision. And you often bring that into the home front because you're so used to it. So oftentimes you're not even not even aware that you're criticizing and criticizing and correcting because it's just in you. So we did a great job with expressing what it is and then how to get out of it. But now I want to enter into the respect and honor. What is respect and honor to you? Because when a person doesn't understand a thing, abuse is inevitable. So if you don't even know what respect and honor is, there's no way where you can operate in it. And so I want you guys to begin to share in the chat, what is respect and honor to you? Because you can have a definition of respect and honor, and it can be completely different than what your spouse says. But I want you to identify what is respect and honor. Then I want you to go back and have that conversation with your spouse with your friend, with your loved one, right? It could be your mama. It could be your daddy. God tells us to respect and honor our parents. Well, what does that look like for them? So first I want you to identify, I want you to put it in the chat. What is your understanding, your comprehension of respect and honor while Lisette shares what's her comprehension of respect and honor? And how is that working for her now? Hmm. So respect and honor is an area where I'm going from faith to faith and glory to glory. Right. Amen. And, and I did, I would say I did not have a definition of respect and honor. It wasn't something that I really saw practiced in ways that I could recognize yeah. growing up um, as far as marriage is concerned. Like, 
My parents are very non-traditional. I didn't really see that. And so what respect and honor means, what I have learned it means for me is not giving to everyone else and not giving the same to my husband. Okay. It means um, whether that's kind words, whether that's encouragement, whether that's compliments, whether that's my focus or attention, it means that I respect and honor him uh, by prioritizing him. Um, and the respect, one of the things, the way, the ways I define it now, I embrace from pastor Mike is respect is in your mind, but honor is in your heart. Mm, I like that. And, and to keep him in my heart, to consider him in my heart, to say, how is this going to impact him? If, if I, if I want to go left or go right, how is this going to impact him? Let me ask him. Let me seek his input. Another way that I respect and honor is by valuing and appreciating who he is, not who I want him to be. Mm-hmm. So one thing I have learned to honor and respect is that my husband has a deep thought life. He is very um, thoughtful before he speaks and clear when he does speak. And so I can go to him with a question, a problem, a concern to say, hey, what do you think about this? And even just uh, giving him that level of input in my life to say what you think matters to me Mm -hmm. in the sense that God gave you to me, you're valuable, you bring perspective to the table that I don't like see by default, but I value that in you and I look to you to share that insight with me. I'm engaging with you so that we can be united, you know, Mm -hmm. so you can help me grow. I'm inviting you to help me grow versus I think I'm always right. Um, Another way I uh, honor and respect is, and I'm growing in this area as well, is, you know, dying to myself. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that I don't always want to do, but I do because that's what he says matters to him and making it a priority and shifting mentally. Yeah. Because you can have your agenda, it, what's right or your way. Yeah. goes all the way down to how you see and prioritize different yeah. things, different people in your life. And so it's allowing him importance enough to shift my priorities, period. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some definitions and ways. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I think that, not think, when you engage with your spouse on a consistent basis and ask questions that matter to them, is the way that you can honor and respect. I follow a couple, and one of the things that they do daily is that they ask one another, how can I honor you today? I love mm-hmm. how you said that honor. And so they ask each other that on a daily basis. I believe at the top of the morning is how can I honor you today? Because yesterday's honor may not be today's honor. And so if you're hanging out with yesterday, you can miss honoring them today. And so it's not it's 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 not becoming familiar 
with the rhythm of your spouse. That's so Amen. good. I received that. Like I felt that in my soul. It's not be- like, don't become familiar with the rhythm of your spouse and, and, and taking those necessary steps on a consistent basis to know their rhythm. Amen. And it changes. Their rhythm today, again, may not be the tomorrow. So being in alignment, being in tandem with them, I'm not saying become a carbon copy because, and we've talked about that, 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 that this is another, a, a, another podcast, right? Your souls are separate, hmm. right? So it's not about you becoming, you become one, but you have your own individual souls. And so it's not becoming a carbon copy or many of them, but it's being in alignment to who they are and where they're growing. Why? Because you guys are growing together. Amen. Amen. And, and I was so knowing the rhythm. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. And Holy Spirit will help you know the rhythm. Yeah. He'll help you know the rhythm. There was a season where the word that Holy Spirit gave me for my husband was engage, engage. And he really showed me the engagement period before we got married as as not the best of both worlds, but enjoying the best of both worlds. You still have your single state where you get to, you know, be independent and autonomous, but you are preparing for this period of this, this lifetime of building together. And so you have the joy that's set before you and the expectations and the excitement and everything. But he said, the engage, it's because you were engaging each other. It's not just engaged to be married. You're engaging. Yeah. You're engaging in discussions about your future, wedding planning, marriage counseling, all these things that evol- revolve around building your future together. And so continue to engage. Just because yeah. you're married doesn't mean the engagement period is over. And yeah. so that was the word that he gave me. It's like engage. And so that may mean conversation. my husband is very interesting to me. Like his thought life is so interesting to me. So a lot of times I just want to know what you're thinking about. Yeah. Whatever he's thinking about is a, it's a springboard into something else that, that helps uh, broaden me or give me more depth or, or give me new insight. And so engage Holy spirit will help you to engage your spouse and honor your spouse with your engagement in whatever form that is, whether it's how can I honor you today or what you thinking about, or tell me what you think about this, you know, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I love that. Good stuff. And so as we come to the end of this broadcast, as always, guys, it's a conversation. And so I want to hear from you guys. You guys have hung out with us yet again on this amazing Monday. And so I want to hear from you. What are your takeaways? What is it that you're going to do? What is it that you're going to shift and execute? First of all, for yourself, one of the things that I want to charge you with is judge your judgment, like filter your judgment through yourself. If there is a need, if there's a feeling, if there's a want to criticize and control, filter that through the judge your judgment before you make a decision to criticize or control. 
But I want to hear from you. What is it that you all are going to do? What are your takeaways? What are your aha moments? What are your comments? We want to hear from you because, again, it's a conversation. We're here to give you a shortcut to increase in every area of your life. Again, we're talking about marriage, but Matters of the Heart podcast is about life. Every single session, you can take what you hear and apply it to every area of your life. And so while the vehicle was marriage, you can also apply this at work. You can apply this in other relationships. You can apply this in your family. You can apply this in your purpose, literally. And so I want to know, what is it that you are going to do? What are some of your takeaways? What are some of your moments that you have kind of fallen back in criticism and control and didn't even know it? I want to hear about it. I want to help you transition those things from criticism and control to respect and honor. And here's the thing, guys, start with yourself. Look at yourself. People say that they are their worst critic. I am my best critic. Since we're using the words critic, I am my best critic. I look at the areas of my life that need improvement and I improve, I don't condemn. And so I want you to start with your own criticism, your own correction for yourself, and then respect and honor them in you. Look like, I love that question because I'm not here just to tell you what to do, but to also give you the how-tos. How do you shift from control and criticism to respect and honor? One, five, that you're doing it. That self-sabotaging behavior that, oh, you can't do anything right. Or if it was, you know, leave it up to your luck. This is going to happen. That's one. Identify the criticism. Identify the correction. Two, own it. Identify that that may be true but that's not your truth. And then I want you to respect and honor yourself in that. What does that look like? Yep, I did that. What? But I am doing this so that that never happens again. It's an equation. I did X, uh, Y happened, but Z is what's happening. You see, I could care less about what happened. I'm interested in what's happening, the I-N-G. It's continual. What happened is opportunity for you to even identify that correction and elevation is available. So what is it that you are doing Which shifts are you making? Again, don't be a hoarder of information. Execute on demand. And so while I wait, because I know that Facebook sometimes has the, not sometimes they have delays. The next episode is heal so your children won't 
have to. And guess what? I'm a child to the stage. He will be joining us because again, I could care less of what people think about me and the decisions that I've made. You better look and see what decisions that I'm making. We're going to share both sides. One of which we'll be talking about is healing in the area of affection. How many of you guys, how many of you guys have been affected by the lack of affection in the home, starting in the home, and that it shows up now in your life and you don't like it? So that's one of the areas that we'll start with. But there is no stone that won't be untold. For those of you guys that don't know my son, I don't like to say that, you know, he's a mini me, but I certainly see characteristics of me in him. And here's the reason why I don't like to say he's a mini me, because I don't want him to be a mini anything of me. While I have did amazing, you know, in, in my life and continue to break barriers that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. I want him to be the big of who God created him to be. When you talk about your children being a many of many you, you kept God because now you've placed your words on them. And God said that we have dominion in the earth. And so your word even trumps God because we have dominion. God is a spirit. He has to come through man. And so when you put your words that there are many of you, guess what? They can only go to the height that you've gone. Nah, take the limits off. Mm -hmm. I want my children, want my sons to do exceedingly abundantly above all that this one could ever imagine or think. And so take the cap off, take the limits mm -hmm. off with your words about your kids being a many anything of you. Let them be the big of who God created them to be. Amen. <laughs> and so until then, go and grow. It's in the going that you grow. Don't sit back and wait for situations or circumstances to look a certain way. I love how Lissette said it didn't look initially like things was going to change, but she continued to go. And as a result of her going, her marriage is growing. So go and grow in life, not just in marriage, but in life. And as you go, you'll grow. The things that you're seeking God from for will show up. Literally, it will show up. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you guys for joining us. I honor your presence. I honor your preference to hang out with us. You could have preferred and did anything else on a Monday, but you chose, or whatever day I heard that, that you come back and that you hear this replay, you chose to hang out with us. And so I honor you. I respect you for that. And for that, I say thank you. Listen, go be greater because you can, literally. See you soon. God's peace.